Welcome to the Crack On Podcast, hosted by me, John Saunders. Crack On! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Crack On Podcast. Um, today I'm privileged to have a very, very good friend of mine, um, uh, Rich Selby, uh, who is the uh, Director of Pro Steel Engineering and is the new chair of the IOD Wales. Uh, good afternoon, Rich. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, John. How are you doing? Yeah, really well. Thanks, mate. Really well. Chuff to uh, thank for saying yes. <laughs> thanks for having uh, me time. Did I have a choice? <laughs> oh, no, no, you didn't really have a choice. No, you didn't, mate, to be honest. It, uh, it's something you, uh, you had to do, really, but it was just a matter of when, wasn't it? So, yeah, we're good. How, how's things yeah. going? How's things going, mate? Yeah, busy actually. You know, we've been really lucky over the last you know, six months. We've had good health, and uh, good. you know, business has been um, better than I suppose anybody would have expected from our perspective. And um, you know, it's been a really busy few months, and uh, December's extremely busy, and it looks like it's going to be a good start to 2021. So, you know, we've had to, you know, a lot of people talk about pivoting and. And, and things like that. But I think we were lucky that we broadened our market offering over the last couple of years and then it's paid dividends this year, really, because, you know, whilst some jobs just come to an abrupt stop, you know, some have, you know, done really well, you know, and particularly sort of, you know, we do some work in, in online groceries and um, that's obviously been booming. Yeah, and, that, that, and I suppose with, with where you got to, I mean, we'll come to the journey in a bit, yeah. Uh, over the last last sort of several years you've been involved and you know you went on your own and that that uh but diversifying and pivoting is something that uh i suppose at the end i'm going to ask you a question on what people could do and what they should be doing in this market but pivoting is 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 something that i would have thought a lot of people in a lot of people's mind at the moment yes yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those words isn't it you know you get weird words in business and people say pivot and part of me just wants to shiver when i hear it and i think yeah. oh but realistically, you know, I think you've got to be adaptable, you know, at all stages of your business and whatever size, you've got to be able to reconfigure as the market needs. I think the, the reality is it's just moved so quickly um, over the last few months that, you know, some people will do very well. Yeah. Uh, some people will do really badly and there'll be some new industries that, come up and new opportunities over the next 12 months and really I suppose positioning yourself for that is a bit of a, a bit of a guesstimate but you know it, it could be you know a real game changer going forward and I think like lots of things change brings opportunity and uh, you know that, that excites me you know I'm one of those people that loves uncertainty and you know it, it gives me a bit of a buzz that we, we don't know quite what's going to happen and um that then I think gives gives us that opportunity to grow our businesses and look at new things and do new things and be part of the post-COVID world, yeah. you know, for the future. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I totally like. I, I totally resonate with that. I think with with there is uncertainty, there's 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 opportunity in there. And there's uh, obviously in the news at the moment, it's very doom and gloom, and and there is positivity with regards to there being a, a light at the end of the tunnel with the, with the vaccine, but. I mean, the short term, um, you know, medium term, obviously, there's there's a vaccine, but short term, there's a lot of pain, especially sort of like in the industry I'm in and, 
you know the leisure yeah. industry is getting the right kick in and there are certain industries that are getting the right little chewing but as you say i think there's opportunity out there isn't there yeah and I, like short term it's 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 brutal you know particularly with hospitality leisure tourism yeah and um you know the government has to you know get in there and help those sectors out you know it's got to be a sector specific offering yeah you know um and really it's 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 one of the sectors that really needed more help all the way along whereas some people have been getting or some businesses have been getting help that possibly haven't needed it as much you know, and I, th I think that that needs to be looked at, particularly now that we're not just in an emergency response as we were perhaps back in March and April time. So going forward, I think, you know, look, hospitality is going to be dire for the next few months and, and it really needs to be propped up by the government. You know, and, and the other sectors that don't need propping up shouldn't be propped up and, you know, need to get on and, you know, if, businesses sadly will fail and new ones will come along and you know it's part of what's going to happen and yeah. you know i think as as business organizations as businesses you know, we've all got to work together to help bring everybody along for this yeah well, on that though i mean you work within sort of wales england lots of parts of the world now mm. how have you found the approach regarding the COVID, and it's quite an interesting one. I've not really asked this question to anyone else, but um, how have you found the approach generally from working within Wales, where your base is? I mean, you're based in Ponypool, um, which is an amazing part of the world, I will add, because that's our home sort of uh, home, to, yeah. home, home territory. Um, but how have you found the combined approach? Is it, is it, you know, the difference in lockdown there and lockdown there, how have you found oh, it's, it? It's really confusing and, um, you know, uh, for, for me, I have to look at these rules all the time to see how we're managing it. So we've got people that live in England and commute to Pontypool every day. Yeah. We've got projects in England where we have to commute to England, maybe not every day all the time, but some of the time. And then you've got customers who don't necessarily know what's going on. And, you know, there were lots of questions when we had the fire break a few weeks ago. Say, so, well, you shut down. Well, we didn't even shut the first time, you know. Yeah. So why would we shut now? But there's a lot of confusion because we're not unified as the four nations, at least. When you start going around the world, it gets more complicated again. But, you know, it certainly would have been a lot easier for us if we had one UK rule. And obviously yeah. the tier system in England, you know, confuses things when we did lo local lockdown. It confuses things. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to be a politician. It's really difficult to manage. Um, and I, I do think, you know, people want to do the best for the residents. But at the same time, we, we've got to make it a lot easier because yeah. you know, it's just, you spend so long wasting time talking about what's right and what's wrong when realistically everybody wants to get on and do it properly and do it safely and, of you know, get to the end of this thing, get the vaccines out and, Crack on with the crack on. I, I was waiting for you on to with the rest of our lives. Yeah, I led you nicely. Into drop that, it in. Nice into that. Yeah, set it up and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You played that right at the park, mate. You played that right at the park. But the, um, yeah, I agree with you. And I think it is, you know, that clarity and you know, just having that. I mean, I had a conversation with my mum yesterday, and and you know, and my and my dad just about who's going home for Christmas and who's coming up and not getting the invite. I will add that I didn't get the invite. I didn't get the nod. There's five kids in my family and I wasn't, didn't, didn't get the nod, but 
that's life and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll lick my wounds, but yeah, it is confusing. I think for the business world as well, I bet it's, uh, and obviously that does land quite nicely into, I know we're going to bounce around a little bit, but that you've just newly taken on the, the chair of the IOD, which is a congratulations by the way on that. Yeah. Thank you very much. So what's the, what's the main challenges in Wales at the moment? And we, you know, we, since getting well, into it, you know, there's, we're, we're, there's two huge things on the agenda, obviously COVID's one and, Brexit, the OSA is the other one, and, yeah. and nobody really knows what's happening with either. Yeah. Um, and whilst I say I, you know, quite like uncertainty and seeing what's going to happen, generally business doesn't, you know, and um, you know, it, it. Whilst there's an acceptance that COVID will be coming to an end in the sort of medium term in terms of impact, um, you know, Brexit will be coming to an end in the very short term, but no yeah. one's got a bloody clue where it's going to go. No. And I can't for the life of me understand how anybody would want to um, be in this situation. All right, we all do deals at the last minute, but realistically, you know, we've got two extremities of being in a deal or no deal, which could have far reaching diverse implications. Yeah. There's many, many government briefings going on all of the time about, you know, to business about uh, Brexit. You know, you do your online gov.uk transition checker, and that's great to a point, but yeah. you know, will there be tariffs on goods? Will there not? You know, mm -hmm. will we have immigration problems? Will we not? You know, what's yeah. going to happen with Northern Ireland? You know, big questions. Uh, big. I, I bet they. I mean, they're not things that. Are taken lightly by business either i know you know i was on it luckily on a on a call with you or on a on a on a, on a coffee with rich rich salvi which i was really uh honored to, oh, yeah. to, to join you on that coffee the other morning but but there was a lot of a lot of talk in that meeting just about the uncertainty and just you know a lot of and that that like you said just isn't good for anyone is it no it isn't but you know there's only so much talking you can do about it yeah so you know i think if if business has prepared themselves as best they can for um, the deal that we think we're going to get, not knowing about fisheries or state aid or or or, or no deal, yeah. then quite frankly, you just got to get on with the rest of your job because yeah. you know we're going around in circles, just saying the same things all the time, you know. And until they've got an update on the deal situation, you know, we might as well do, might as well go and fabricate some steel or put it up or. Yeah, yeah. Get, get get going on it, isn't it? Get, get, get the stuff job done. You yeah. And um, I think after we we did our planning, we said, right, that's it. No more planning. Let's just go and win some work and, yeah. and deal with it and make sure the commercial terms are in place to protect yourselves as we go through the end of transition. Yeah. And, oh, uh, no, no, totally, I totally agree with that. I think that. So I, I move it. I move it back to you know. Obviously, we spoke at the beginning that you're always going to come on this because uh, myself and Rich go back. Uh, many a year, um, and maybe if we venture a bit into that, and a bit of our childhood, and, and how we how we got to meet each other, maybe you can, uh, you know, hi, maybe go run through that. Yeah, so um, it's a strange one, really, because I was I was born in Podipool, and um, three months after you, three months and three days. That's right. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I always remind you. <laughs> and. And brought up, so we went to the same primary school for about um, a year or, or so, but we went to the same playgroup. Apparently, my mother reminds me that when when we were two, 
that used to charge around the playgroup and she used to say, avoid that one by there because it was a bit boisterous. <laughs> I think so, a lot of uh, people did, mate. I think a lot of people did. So lo and behold, we moved away for a few years and um, came back when uh, I was about 12. And I was sat in the head of year's office in, in Crossy Comp. And I was going into, I think it was 2W was the form. But yeah. then we quickly flipped into the, the new era of 8W. And um, Mr. Paddy James was the head of year. That's right. We know, we know he's going to show you around. John Saunders come in. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't even remember him from years ago. Not him. You were the second choice, actually, I think. Oh, the... I know, I know. Uh, who was it? I can't remember. Anyway, it was somehow on the other side of the year group. And uh, I think because I could just remember their name. Yeah. But anyway, um, that wasn't happening. So John Saunders it was. But apparently you were new, good with new boys. That's right. Yeah, that was my, that was my famous word. I'm good with new boys. <laughs> so you very kindly showed me the ropes, really. Yeah. In Crossy Comp, year eight. And, um, and then we met, obviously met with Dan and, and uh, the other guys and, and built up a really strong friendship, didn't we, over the years? Yeah, and, yeah. Got Absolutely. into rugby in school, out of school. I couldn't, I couldn't cope with the football, to be honest with you. No, but, um, football, football was my gig. Obviously, I played football up until sixth form, but it wasn't my gig. Yeah. Um, uh, and you nearly played every position on the rugby pitch, didn't you? I, I did, mate. Yeah. I did. I, look, I think sixth form was a, a making and breaking, wasn't it? You know, I loved... Uh, I was talking to my boy. It's funny now, because we've got kids the same age and... You know, I was talking to Jack the other day back about uh, what is his next stage, you know, what's his next stage in life? And he wants to go to college and, and, and do rugby, which I was like, awesome. But you've got to go and enjoy it. I mean, our sixth form was a special time for us, wasn't it? I mean, it was one of my one of my favourite times of all time, actually, up until now. And sixth form, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I probably didn't take the work seriously enough, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, uh, that, that was probably one time when I didn't crack on too well. Yeah. Um, but I did have a really good time. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that rugby, you know, we were playing for club and, uh, you know, on the weekend and school in the week. And, you know, it was training four times a week. And, yeah, it was just a, it was just a good time, wasn't it? You know, just enjoyed life. And, you know, it was hard, hard at times, wasn't it? You know, some yeah. difficulties we all had along the way. And, you know, as a group of mates, you know, we helped each other out and pulled each other up and, uh, you know, I think it, it helped make us what we are, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think, it, you know, anyone, I think anyone, you know, listeners generally, I think the lesson for me for definitely a question for you as well is that it isn't making and breaking of me. I, you know, I, I find myself in a very privileged position that I have got a group of friends like yourself um, within that group that, you know, we've stuck together and now we're 40 years of age. We, we, we've, we've helped each other out and, you know, you're, you're at our beck and call and I just think it's if, if what makes and breaks you and um, and it, that support is in, invaluable. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was good. And I think, you know, um, it's fairly special to, to be able to take your mates from yeah. your school days right the way through your lives. So I feel very fortunate that being able to do that. Yeah. And also, you know, it's a complete release from professional life if you like you know yeah we all talk work and how things yeah, are going yeah, yeah. but we can quite quickly regress into the idiocy that we used to used to be <laughs> you know uh, yeah. and just having time and that's important isn't it you know because you know 
people you talk about mental health and things like that, you know, having good friends around you and good family makes a massive difference to your mental health, you know, and then all the pressures that you're under day to day professionally. You know, if you can, if you can just step outside of that, you know, it can add so much value to your life. Yeah, no, I totally agree, mate. I totally agree. And, and and from there then, that's nicely moving on then. So sixth form, went to university. Um, how was that for you? Well, yeah, it was all right. Um, so I didn't do too well in my A-levels, really, so which meant um, the punishment was having to do an extra year in uni, which uh, wasn't much of a punishment. I had a quite a good time there, really. I bet you enjoyed that one. but Yeah, it was good down in Swansea. Yeah, met some good people down there um struggled probably concentrating for the first few years but um really started to feel like i just wanted to go and work and um yeah my father was quite professional in his career yeah and, and a bit of a role model really and um <clears throat> was keen on me um you know getting professional qualifications engineering and um you know, having a career that, you know, would be in demand, if you like. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of how civil engineering aligned, really. Quite like building things in terms of you know, seeing structures out there that, that, that um, you know, you've had a part to play in. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, had a great time living and working as well in Swansea. So I was down in Swansea, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was good, you know, we... So, yeah, worked on a few pubs and a couple of clubs, you know, in your industry. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had yeah. some great nights down there. I mean, uh, <laughs> Rasputin's, Rasputin's was another, another, another place well, altogether. Yeah, there's a story, night. isn't there? Yeah, pound of vodka shot and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mars bar flavoured vodka. Who'd have ever thought it? And, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But we, we, we loved it. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and after a trip there, you weren't lasting in the club for more than about fifteen minutes till that vodka hit. <laughs> no, no, no. It was quite a, it was quite an early night, wasn't it? Early night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, they were good times, and um, it's strange really because I thought I was going to go in the military, and uh, Rod, obviously the year above us, he went off to the Royal Engineers, and I was convinced that's what I was going to do. Yeah. But uh, my wife had other plans. Really, she came down and. Uh, Told you what yeah. I was going to say. What changed? What did change your mind necessarily? Well, you know? yeah, I was on the pre-RCB uh, tests. I did all that and um, was going through those processes really. Yeah. Commission. And um, Laura came along, and you know, and I sort of fell head over heels really. And and there were loads of graduate jobs about at the time. It was a very different to what it is now. Yeah. You know, there were more graduate jobs than graduates. So I managed to get a job down in Chepstow and um, yeah, it was in structural steelwork. I was never specialist in steelwork before. I was more general. Yeah. And um, it seemed like a great opportunity, really. And it was a medium-sized sort of business, um, but it felt like you had a part to play in it rather than being a huge organisation where you, know, you could, be, could be lost in the mix. And it really appealed, had a good history to it. Yeah. It was a Brunel built the first bridge over the river Y and um, just all sort of clicked together really as a, as a, as a first job. And it, and it meant then that I moved back to Cumbran and um, started, you know, professional work, not working on the door of the nightclub, which. Yeah. 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 I remember you telling me which, about that. What's, uh, that story? What's that story about the, the, the famous and he is famous, that big guy that was on the Swansea door. 
Oh yeah. He used, to, he used to. What was that thing he used to do with the coins? <laughs> oh yeah. He, I can't do it. They used to flick the coins up and down through his fingers like that. Yeah. They they had loads of issues on the doors of the nightclubs, and particularly that it was what time and Ritzies before that. That's right. They had to bring in a whole new uh, door crew, really, and um, he they brought this guy in. He came down from Birmingham, and he was absolutely huge. <laughs> he was Lawrence. huge. Lawrence's name was just remember. That's right. And he'd filled the door, and uh, you know he he was clearly in control of everything that was going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember going down as a as a punter, and it was just such an intimidating bloke. But I remember you then to working with him, and uh, I just thought, I'm glad you know him, mate, because he is a big lad, isn't he? I used to train in the gym, and uh, we we're in the John Burns gym down by Swansea train station. And there's a load of meatheads down there, and. Um, you know, it was a lot of grunting, not a lot of discussion. <laughs> yeah. And in, and in he, and some of them, you know, they look rough. But Lawrence, you know, he was he was well turned out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he turn up and um, just stick three plates on the bench press either side, nice. left them out for ten, you know, shrug <laughs> it off and move on. Yeah, I was just it. looking at it. how you can anybody just like not even warm up until yeah, one yeah, three just wrap out three at a time. <laughs> days. It is incredible, but you know those are those are those are fun days, and um, you know it was a good it was a good job, and then uh, you know, a bit of a difference for then moving into the office environment and becoming a, a graduate engineer. And, uh, oh, good, and then and then I take it you worked there for how long? How long did you live work in that company for? Ten years, yeah. Started yeah. as a graduate, and then um, after eighteen months, jumped up into sort of junior management and just work their way through really. Yeah, great. Um, the Olympic Games in London probably were a turning point. We started on that job in 2007. Right. And then just progressively worked through the building of the park in terms of the structures. That must, um, have, been, that must have been an experience. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I first went to Olympic Park in 2005. Yeah. And, um, we we did two bridges, like preliminary bridges, as it, and it was just a brown site. There was nothing there other than Stratford train station and a load of mud. Wow! And it was really weird because you know you're in the middle of London, well, East End of London, and and it was just this big barren land. Yeah. And they they got the obviously got the games through, and it just went like crazy, built up into this amazing place. You know, really regenerated the area. Yeah. And it was a fantastic opportunity. And there was quite a lot of critique at the time because, you know, whilst it was a national infrastructure, Wales didn't particularly get that much out of it, albeit, yeah. you know, we, we did it at um, the company I was working for at the time in Chepster. Um, we did really well. We did 33 structures. Um, wow. And then, um, you know, that organisation went through a bit of change and things were happening and it... it it didn't seem like it was going to be that eternal job that I thought I'd gone there and I was yeah, going to stay yeah, yeah. there till I retired. I don't yeah. know why I was probably a bit naive, but it started as a real quite family business and moved quite corporate. Interesting and, question uh, just on that top and tail. Do you, yeah. Did you think you were going to be that person that was going to be in the same job for a long period of time? Well, you know, back in 2010, 
you know, I had the appraisals, and he was like, oh, you're going to be the next director that gets appointed to the board. So they go, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm 30, yeah. I'm going on the board, boom. I'm going to crack this. Yeah. And that, that's where I thought I was going to, you know, and it was becoming more corporate. I thought, right, corporate director, yeah, brilliant. That's my, yeah. you know, I'm going to be the MD one day. That was my sort of drive towards. And then um, it just, you know, changed. You know, there were all sorts of things that were completely outside of the company's control happening with the shareholders and and all sorts of things. And um, it just changed as a business. And the, you know, there was, there was new leadership, which didn't resonate particularly well with me. And you've got to make choices. And um, Christmas 2011, my choices were find another job, you know, that gives you an opportunity on the board. Um, Grin and bear it where you are, you know, um, or, or move move away, you know. Yeah. And didn't really want to move away because of the family situation, but because of where it was at the end of the recession, didn't wasn't really that great opportunity to move jobs, you know. Yeah. So uh, you know what it is. Well, one thing leads to another, and you're in that situation where you know opportunities stop presenting themselves we're getting closer to the olympic games london 2012 and the clients are all saying well you know you and justin would have scooped up if you if you'd done this yourselves yeah, yeah. and and then your cogs start going and there was this eventful day in east london where we were sat in a cafe outside and it must be about 34 degrees and obviously hair isn't very protective <laughs> and, and the guy from the client it's just you know, just kept talking and encouraging us to do this for about three hours. So my head was sort of like blistering in the... (laughs) But we were really pumped up now. It was a Friday afternoon, absolutely buzzing, sort of, yeah, we can can go and do this. So um, it sort of built that confidence up. Then on, it was my father's 60th birthday, then we we registered the ProSteel as a company. And um, yeah, uh, then the work, started to come so we had to quit pretty quickly they made us work on notice uh which was a bit frustrating but hey ho and, i suppose uh, looking back what we like when you quit was it uh talk us through a few of the emotions you had when you did that well it was a bit mixed really because it was a it was a good job you know i, I, was, I was head of projects and uh you know up to probably the six months before this point I'd really enjoyed my career there. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like working with a lot of the people. Some of the new people I wasn't so keen on working with. And um, part of me was a bit concerned that perhaps I'm not coping with the change in the organization very well. Yeah. But then I thought, do you know what? This isn't right. This is going the wrong way. Yeah. And um, I was right because you know they're not trading in the market that we used to operate in anymore. So, um, so... It, it, it was a very, very odd day, really. But because of the change and the redirection of the company, quite a lot of people were leaving. You know? Right. It came from probably a year, a few years earlier. If somebody left the business, they'd all be like out for drinks and you know a bit of a you know a celebration or thank you. It was just flat because it was happening so regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have you didn't have a leaving do because every every there was no leaving do because the there'd be a leaving do every week. Well, yeah, and, yeah. And you look back and you think, God, it was just such a bad sign, wasn't it? Really, for the organisation. And, and that, it's a and shame. 
And I bet that I bet that you know, just on that mo on that point for a moment, there's a lot. I bet there's a lot of that within. Well, there's got to be a lot of that in the world now, isn't there? I mean, our company yeah. being one, being quite open, you know, they're making redundancies, and there are there's a lot of shifting of people. And you know, I know we mentioned pivoting, but I didn't pivot necessarily out of the industry. But you know, what, what I suppose on what you've just said about that one moment in 2011, if someone was sat there right at this moment in the same sort of position, what sort of advice would you give that person? Well, you know, it's a difficult time, but there's never, you know, there's never been a better time to go and yeah. grasp opportunity either. And um, the one thing I've learned about it is, is that, you know, I'd, I'd be a terrible employee now uh, because that once you've set something up and you're doing it for yourself, yeah, it's, it's hard for the first few years. Um, but once you're in that swing of it, you know, it, it's incredible it's an incredible sense of freedom that you know you can go out you can work for who you want to work for yeah um you can get involved with projects you want to get involved with yeah um and you can contribute to society in the way that you want to and you're not that constrained or you're not constrained uh, which which to me is is invaluable yeah and i didn't realize back in christmas 2011 what that opportunity would look like you know i didn't know how that could be yeah. i didn't know that isn't it amazing what people pay you to do for them you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. When, those, when those first payments started coming i thought people are actually paying us money you know, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. this is mad you know I bet, I bet that guy down in the olympic park is on your credit uh, your christmas card list and he ah. yeah. oh yeah strange though because we end up going back and doing a job for him so we um, we did one job for him, and then we did a second job for him. And uh, he's a he's a cheeky son, so John, because um, right, okay. there was this bridge, and and they all had funny names, and yeah. um, it had to be reconfigured for the legacy state post gates. Yeah. So we were reconfiguring it, but the the company originally the company I worked for put this bridge in, and there was a bit of a defect issue with it that needed addressing and he sat there in this meeting and he said well i think you've got a moral obligation to fix that because you worked for them at the time right and i thought well you're on drugs or something yeah yeah yeah. what's you this know, what, what are you talking about moral obligation to fix yeah, yeah, yeah. another company had done because i worked for you anyway so at this point it was i, I put it down he must be under some pressure or something like that anyway so then we started having the harsh um, realities of running your own business where people don't pay you for, yeah, for the work that you do. So we had a little bit of a ding dong and um, ended up settling again. But it all gets quite serious quite quickly, you know, because yeah. you, you've got to keep in mind that you know, whilst you're a shareholder, it's your money, but it's not it's company money. And, you know, it's balancing up that fee. It's when you know, you know, it, it's business. Yeah. You know, and trying to keep that separation between business and personal life, or it gets it gets really hard, particularly when when people do you some sucker punches, which it does happen. Yeah, and, and 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 that I suppose that's. Uh, I remember you talking to me a few years ago, just how business is a game, and that's your exact words to me. You know, it's a big game, and and you know it. Uh, I suppose with that can throw you throw you all sorts of uh, curveballs, can it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and you, you you've got a. It's like everything in any game. You know, you've got responsibilities within that game, and you've got rules. 
and you've got to try and anticipate what the other players are going to do as well so you can you know, improve your performance um, and whether that's working with the other players, you know, or sadly against them in, in some circumstances, you know, it, it is, it is survival. And, um, you know, particularly in those early days, it's really, it's brutal survival. Yeah, no, I bet. Um, and then, yeah. and then so obviously nine years, nine years you've been, you've been going pro steel. Um, how's that journey been? Well, up and down. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been really, really oh, on balance, brilliant. Yeah. Um, but what, what you find is the emotions are just so exaggerated. So, you know, when things are good, they're amazing. And when things are bad, they're rock bottom. You know, there's, there's times where, you know, <clears throat> I've been broken down in tears talking to Laura because I just couldn't take the pressure anymore, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that feels strange talking about it because, you know, I, I never thought I was, you know, not capable of dealing with stuff. Yeah. Um, but sometimes... No, and, and, I, and, I bet, and I bet there's a lot of people, I mean, that fetal position, I mean, I've been there on, on several occasions and, you know, that breaking down and, and I bet you remember those times and those decisions you had to make when you, when you got to that position. Yeah. Huh? yeah, it's horrible, you know, and you think, sometimes you think, you know, you might lose it all, you know, and... Um, and I think it's just putting that perspective of, of what's important in terms of, you know, family, health, um, well-being. And then, because if you don't get all those right, there's no way that, you know, you'll be successful running a business. I was going to say, how, what do you then? You reframe it. How do you deal with those moments then? Because they, they, they're obviously going to continue to come and they're always going to be there. So how do you... Well, yeah, do you... I think you, um, you learn to live with it. I think, you know, as you go through your career... You know, every time you take on more responsibility or do a bit more, you've got more stress as a result. And stress, to a degree, is a good driver, yeah. you know, in terms of pushing you forward. Um, but then too much stress, obviously, um, is detrimental to, to your health, physically and mentally. Yeah, I, think, um, I think now I'm a bit older and wiser in the turf. I try not to get it to that point anymore. You know, you yeah. can tend to see issues arriving arising um better um and what i always used to get me was was you know the business was fine it was just like any sort of other issues they'd be minor things but they'd be like the straw that broke the camel's back really yeah yeah, yeah. and i i just had to resequence the fact that well actually you know my my priorities to um things outside of work are different you know and yeah. you know I, I can't let that stack on top of what's work it's just a different thing completely you know yeah totally uh, totally no 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 look and I think that's great advice for anyone that anyone who's listening I think it's, it's great to hear that the journey isn't you know ultimately yeah it's very easy to to, to, to start being a director well, you can go online now and anyone can be a director you, you can do it yeah it's, it's easy to do it well is hard you know, but and, to do it and, well is very difficult. You know, and to then continue to do it well and to make sure that you're, you're one, complying with the statutory obligations. And yeah. Two, you know, um, <clears throat> doing the right thing on a moral and ethical basis is is another matter, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Well, I, I remember, I mean, you'll remember, it was only a few weeks ago, but 
I remember coming to a, a, a great barbecue at your house. <laughs> I, asked, I asked you a question. You remember at the bottom of the stairs. I, I asked you a question of uh, when did you think or, you know, when it was impossible to get to the point where you are now, you know, because obviously in that nine year period, you know, you, you've got a really successful business, um, you know, and it's growing, ever growing. You know, you, you're growing within that Welsh uh, uh, business world. You know, what, what your answer, I remember your answer. Do you remember what your answer was? No, I'd had a few beers by then probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said something happened in 2014 that you just could see it, see it mapping its way out. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So it was back at the Olympic Park, really. And um, yeah. uh, we... we We'd built, we'd done about three bridges, reconfiguring, strengthening, repositioning, that sort of thing. And um, all of a sudden, it's this weird world, isn't it? Like our old boss had, had left the company that we'd worked for as well. It was that sort of uh, change thing going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and worked for another company. And... Uh, that they won the contract to build the roof on the Olympic Stadium. Brilliant. And, but it was also strengthening the existing stadium. So um, there, there was a lot of work done needed to the existing structure before the roof could be built. Right. And they started talking to us about it. And bearing in mind at this point in time, you know, we were two individuals, the only two employees in the company. Yeah. And with a load of subcontractors. That's effectively all we were as an entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's job, and we looked at it, and it was absolutely huge. And we thought, you know, how how is this going to align? And how are we going to do <laughs> there's nothing to lose, really, you know. Um, yeah. So we just started pulling plans together, and you know, our other good mate Alan was was you know a real good you know, point of strength for us, really, in support in terms of professional advice. And we managed to put this plan together about how we would. Um, you know, strengthen the existing Olympic Stadium and convert it into West Ham's football ground. Yeah. And um, I think that point at which it all started sounding very positive that we were going to get the contract, <laughs> I started thinking, oh, <laughs> this, this, this is a game changer, really. Yeah, We've yeah, done, yeah. we done all right in the first couple of years. You know, it, it was... It, it was better than we anticipated. But, yeah. you know, didn't ever imagine that you know we would do a 14 million pound conversion of you know the that that stadium you know in Amazing. terms of the work that we were doing and that was just all labor effectively yeah. working at site you know all the steel work was being provided by other people but it yeah. it, it set us on track because at the same time we were working at hammersmith on their flyover and that was a job that came out of nowhere but it was that uh, approach that we've always maintained was we just went, the client phoned, we just went and saw them. They didn't know really what they wanted. They just needed a solution. We gave them the solution. Yeah. They gave us a price for that solution. And we did this all in a day. We arrived at eight in the morning and I got home at nine at night and with a contract for 300 grand. Amazing. And, um, and then that turned into two and a half million pound of work on the Hammersmith yeah. flyover. So I, I think that, that service element is where we've really... Focus. I was going to say that that sounds like that, that just sounds like uh, the way you know I say the way to do it it's the ideal way to do it but ultimately there's a, again there's a lot of lessons with that isn't it you saw the opportunity you went and got it and you, you oh, didn't get back to the house until you got the contract signed it's it's the same as soon as it's sniffed today you know uh, I'm exactly the same yeah you 
if somebody you know, needs a hand to get a, a project or an issue resolved, to me, that is the easiest, the best sales tactic possible. Just go and see them, sort it out. Yeah, go and get it. And, and, and just, just for my own interest, how much has that changed now, the way you were about 15, 16 years ago when you were, you were working with, you know, are you the same person within that role now that you were then or have you changed um, a lot? Largely. So I was always, you know, let's go back to my father, really. He always told me, you know, you need to, you need to go the extra mile all the time when you, when you start your career. You, you can't just be one of these watching the clock, you know, if you want to get on in your career. Yeah. Obviously that wasn't, uh, focused on being an entrepreneur but you know the same drivers were there you've got to take it on from you know where where, where it has to be to where you yeah. want it to be and um, you know I, I think all that was a, a good sign and I think when we set the business up it was just like that hunger you know you know there's there's jobs that we want to do and there's jobs that we don't want to do and these days we're fortunate there's a bit more choice really in what we well, you've you've been yeah but you've been able to create that choice haven't you yeah it takes time you know yeah. and when you're starting out you, you don't quite get as much of that choice but you've got a you've also got to back quite a few losers along the way you know yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. well that's part of the learning journey isn't it yeah you know we've had some howlers and you've know, projects that have gone really badly wrong you know and legal disputes to to Wasted sales time, you know, you know, yeah. some projects, you know, we spent hours and days and weeks on that have come to nothing, you know, and that that's incredibly frustrating. Oh, I bet public sector jobs as well, you know, and you just waste so much time on them. And um, it could be done so much better. But like I say, you know, you've got to accept that that's just part of the process, really. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's great. It's great. And then. One thing, another thing I wanted to have a look at as well, you, you're heavily involved in the Prince's Trust, which is, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough, you know, uh, to, to, to do a few events with you within the Prince's Trust. I saw you do a, a bike ride the other week back on the, on the, fam yeah. the famous Daniel Reese's bike. Um, yeah, look, how did it go? And, and talk us through how you ended up getting involved in, the, in such, a, such a worthwhile uh, charity. Yeah, so I... When we started the business, we obviously did all those contracts we just talked about, and yeah. you know, things started settling down really. And we were, we were getting requests for charity donations all the time, and things like that. And just, there was no real strategy to it, you know, and they were all very worthy things. And uh, we were actually on our way down to Cornwall one day, and um, we, we'd just seen Anton Deck's 40th birthday celebration of the Prince's Trust. So Laura said to me, oh, well, you should contact them, really, because, you know, you believe in supporting young people, get on with their lives, and just find out about them, see if they're worth supporting. I mean, there's this misconception that the Prince's Trust is a heavily funded organisation, you know. Yeah. But, you know, because it's got the Prince of Wales' you know, badge associated with it. But it has to raise its own funding. Yeah. It doesn't sit on a load of wealth. Um. So anyway, I was bizarrely in, um, I think it was Sedgewater, Sedgemore Services on the M5, and happened to have this phone call with the then director, uh, Leslie Kirkpatrick, who now runs TechnoQuest. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And, and um, 
we had a discussion. She invited me in, and I got introduced to this, this uh, young chap, and uh, he had a terrible time. Whereas his mother was drug dependent, he was having to source her drugs. He was having to carry knives. They moved down from another part of the country, and um, it was a, a real harrowing tale, basically. And I sat there, and you know, you've got kids who have come up at the, at the time towards being you know, teenagers. Yeah, linking it. You know, we we haven't seen half of this. No. Yeah. You know, how lucky? How lucky were we? How lucky were we? You know, yeah, um, you know, absolutely no clue about how tough it can be out there. And um, you know, th th this young guy had, through the support of the Prince's Trust, great great sales pitch by them, really bringing him in. But yeah, yeah. Know, he he turned his life around with their support, and he was now an instructor in one of the um, adventure activity places in Cardiff. I just thought, oh, you know, you got to do more of this. This yeah, is yeah, just, yeah. this is a game changer, really. And yeah. I was looking at it thinking, you know, in our industry, there's a lot of older people, a load of, load of guys generally in the industry, and there's nobody coming through. And, you know, we need to work with young people to help get them into good local jobs where they can contribute to society. Okay. Some of them are terrible stories like that, young kids. Some of them aren't so bad, you know, they're just little barriers that they just need a bit of support with, yeah. you know. Just need a helping hand. They just, they just need a bit of confidence, yeah, you know, that's to it, know that's that they, they can and, uh, you know, and build that aspiration of, of what is possible. And that just, just, you know, you know, the more I got involved, the more, you know, it just inspired me to do more really, which is why we, you know, became a patron and then, you know, got embedded more and, and it's, it's a bit like being involved with a bit of a family, really. And um, and now, you know, we're, they get us to do these crazy things like riding a bike when I hadn't ridden a bike for 10 years. And, you know, all of a sudden, I had to, you know, it's nothing like you doing your Ironman and things like that, you know. Yeah, but, but, uh, you know it, but it probably, you know, but it, it's, you say that, I mean, but it, it's actually on a lot of occasions, it's, it's, it's more, isn't it? Because... I, I do the I, I enjoy going on my bike and I, I enjoy doing running and things like that. But actually, if you don't do it all the time and jumping on it, it's probably it's as big a challenge as doing that, in my opinion. Well, I did three miles the first ride. I'm not joking. You know, I thought, how on earth am I going to ride 83 miles? I went, I went from my house down to the end of the straight mile. If you know the area well, you know it. Yeah. Down to the straight mile, which is just down by the Grand Crematorium. I got to the end, there's a boulder on the road, stop everyone nipping down the straight mile, which is another story that's really inconvenient. <laughs> I, had to sit, I had to sit on this boulder. I thought, what the Jeff am I yeah. doing? <laughs> what is this? Riding this bike. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Daniel Reese very kindly gave me this, this, this bike to, to, to ride. And it was, you know, the saddle. You know, that's not fun. What's all that about? It, it was honest. It was proper rear end abuse. I mean, uh, <laughs> it was hurting. It was hurting. <laughs> I thought, oh, there's no way this is going to happen. Anyway, so uh, I got back and I had another two rides like that. Where I thought, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, yeah. And then I the fourth one, padded, padded shorts. Yeah, yeah. Those padded shorts are the way forward, mate. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. They were good. They were good. I give you, a, I give you one on the Prince's Trust for me, and this is where. I think what is really nice about myself and yourself going back so far is that how life has changed for both. But this is an example, a story that um, I always remember about the Prince's Dress and, and how, how you've changed and, and, and where you've gone from a networking point of view. Because I think from a network, 
you know, you've over the last 20 years, you, you've, you've, you know, you've owned that space within the business side of it. I think you've done really, really well. But this is a story and example. I remember giving you a ring on a Saturday night and uh, <laughs> I messaged you and I said, um, yeah, how's, how's things? You say, yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm things. Where are you then? I said, well, I can't. This is you, by the way. I can't stay on the on the call long. I've uh, I've got a I've got a I'm in Edinburgh. I'm, I've got a meal. I said, all right. I said, who you, who's the meal with up in Edinburgh? He said, oh, I, I'm sat on the table with uh, with a certain few people. I said, oh yeah, but who is it? He said, I'm sat by Prince Charles. And I was like, as you do on a Saturday, um, as you know, that I, I as I was sitting down to watch Strictly Come Dancing, you were sat next to Prince Charles in a dinner, which was which for me was amazing. Um, and I bet that's just a, that's just a really nice nice. I bet he's a top guy as well. Well, he's an incredible guy to be honest with you. And I bet. Um, it's it's a it's strange um, being in that environment yeah. and uh, having a snippet of of that world. Um, but I have to say, you know, uh, I've been very fortunate to meet meet Prince Charles uh, half a dozen or so times, but yeah. quite a few times last year. Um, and and that's where the the trip to Scotland came from, really, because we, we were invited to a, an event up at, up at the farm in Wales, and we were having a conversation, and he he's he's got the the bit between his teeth about uh, you know the green economy, yeah, and decarbonisation really, really, of industry. Very, uh, vocal on that at the moment as well. And he, it, you know, he's, he's been you know, yeah, but like you say, for many years or for thirty years, he's been talking about it. And uh, so we had this discussion, and he looked at me, and we're going to do something about this. And I thought, all right, okay, no yes, pressure. So uh, anyway, this lovely evening, and then next thing I know, a uh, bit of correspondence, uh, and I had an email. Can you come up to Scotland for the 31st of October? Well, the obvious answer was yes. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So we, we went up, and... Um, it, it, he's got another uh, foundation called the Prince's Foundation, and they raise money for arts and um, other other things. And um, they work quite closely with the Prince's Trust. So he invited me and three others to come on for, for private meetings about certain subjects. Yeah, which, which was quite in, interesting. <laughs> but there was a whole gang of people who were like mega, mega, multi-millionaires. Um, brought up because they basically just wanted to get them to fund some stuff yeah. and, and rightly so yeah they got the money for it. And, <laughs> uh, so we went to so they were showing us around this estate which basically Prince Charles had brought back to life and um, in the early evening then I had to meet him for this meeting so but on this trip I, I, I didn't really know who was there and yeah, yeah. Know, we were walking around looking at these facilities and, and this Irish guy called Michael started talking to him Anyway, he's talking away at me, and uh, I was going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, who are you? And he said, oh, Michael Flatley. Right. Oh, so all I had was the Lord of the Dance tune <laughs> playing through my head in this sort of surreal environment. And uh, so we, we went around, anyway, went to this meeting. So I had to wait to go in because he was running late from his last meeting. And uh, we went in and I'd sit on this. It was like going into... Like a grandparent's house or something like that. Yeah. He was on the armchair and I was on the sofa. <laughs> and I, I didn't sit back on the sofa because I probably not felt quite so on edge for 
well, since I'd been in Mrs. Mansfield's office. Back, <laughs> back in school, yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, we had this conversation and it was very wide ranging in terms of, uh, we, we spoke about the subject we were there, but you know, the, the humane aspects of the discussion and he was very engaging and so well informed yeah. about a lot of things. Uh, and I think very well, you know, very forward looking. So uh, yeah, he's, he's an inspiring guy, and um, you know, and hopefully we'll be able to take that project forward, really. And you know, very focused on, you know, green economy, young people, you know, building skills for the future that we need in the UK. And um, you know, I, th I think it's it's to be commended because he doesn't have to do it. No, no, he doesn't know, and I think you know, I, I take my, I mean, and on that note, let's just just wait on. You know, I just think well done on that. It's a massive, you know, I've, I've interviewed a few people now and there's everyone's got a given story or a given part of them. And part of how, how important do you think the giving side of it, giving back is within where you, you know, within your world now? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a driver, to be honest with you, yeah. you know, because I think, you know, we've all got to identify what our sense of purpose is, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah okay so you, you look after your family you look after your health everything like that once you've achieved that you know you, you ask yourself what's that purpose what am i here to do and um and have you got your conclusion yet what would be your purpose i can't say, I can't say i've concluded it yet but what, what i can what, what i do think is that you know there's a responsibility on all of us to create a prosperous society yeah and um and one which helps us to help ourselves, you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm not one for saying, let's just, just give a load of handouts here, but I am one for saying, let's help people get into work. Let's help people get skills. Let's help build ourselves, build an economy that, you know, reflects the demands of society. And, you know, that's where I see playing a part in it really. And uh, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how successful over the next three years of being involved with the IED we, we are doing that, but it'll be beyond that, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you, you're gonna you're gonna pass the baton on, but I, I'm, I'm I'm adamant just from knowing you like I do. You know, you're gonna pa pass on a very good baton, and it'll continue, and you'll have legacy within that role. Well, I hope so. You know, and you just look at you know what's next, and I suppose you know you mentioned being forty. You know, we're forty and still feel. 22 at times and yeah um you reflect don't you as to well you know you're sort of halfway through your career um you know what do you want to do for the second half really yeah and 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 you know what will that look like and um i suppose i count myself lucky that i've got some choices um not saying i'm you know it's obviously still going to do what i'm doing but yeah i think you know, you've got to keep fresh all the time, don't you? And keep, yeah. keep, keep enjoying yourselves and keep pushing yourself. And you know, if it was easy, it would be boring. And it's, it's kind of what I'm thinking about it, really. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting ten years ahead. I think. At the moment. I think it's me. I'm really excited for you. I'm, I, you know, I'm really excited for everyone, but I'm really excited for you and your family and and your business. I think it's going to be a, an amazing ten years for you. I totally agree. I got, I got one more. We're coming to the end of it. I got one more question. So I end this on, on every, everyone I've done. The crack on, like if someone was sat there, right? Um, 
what biggest bit of advice you could give would you give them if they were sat there and thinking, I want to go and do this? You've done loads of different things. You said about the pivot, didn't you know, that those monumental times that you, you made decisions and went with. What one bit of advice would you give somebody who sat there now contemplating doing something uh, and, and they just haven't got out that, that the, the traps yet? What, what would you what would your advice be for them? Well, I, I would say, you know, if you've done, if you've assessed the opportunity yourself and you're happy with it, just ignore the doubters because people will talk you down. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and there'll be people that are risk averse and there'll be people that, you know, disagree with what you believe in. But if you believe in it, seize the opportunity. Go for it. Yeah. And, I, and, and to be honest, mate, on that note, I am going to say <laughs> a massive thank you. To, look, I know how precious one your time is and two, how given you are of your time and your, um, you know, you've mentored me, many of the people, and, you know, there's a lot of people that look at you um, and what you've done over the last sort of within your career so far and with the utmost respect. And uh, I, I would just like to say thank you ever so much for for everything and and, and, and taking your time out today and uh, being on this uh, Crack On podcast. Well, it's it an absolute pleasure, John. I was... I was gutted I wasn't the first in the list, to be honest with you, but uh, well, I, mean, I, you were, you were I overcame there. that. And on that yeah. note, if we don't mention Stuart Couch in this, he's <laughs> going to have me. So uh, I will say hello to, to the Mr. Couch. He is on my list uh, for definite. And um, oh, I, should, I should hope so too, yeah. Absolutely. I think we mentioned... The, Expert the, the, uh, tree fellow at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Trying to put his shed up at the back, actually. So <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to seeing his shed that he's put up at the back. Um, for me, thank you ever so much for your time and, uh, and have a great day. Cheers, John. Yeah, have a good one. Cheers, mate. Crack on!